Happy holidays, nightcappers, and welcome to Gothic Nightcap, a Soul Latte Studios podcast where you listen to classic tales that can be equal parts soothing and darkness. I'm Jamie Olson, and I have the honor of reading the first of our listener-submitted stories. This story is called The Recovery, and it's by the person without whom none of this would happen, Amanda Devinney. Not only that, but as a special treat, I'll be reading with the assistance of the wonderful and talented Jessica Michelle. Now get comfy, light some candles, pour some hot chocolate, or maybe even fall asleep. However you want to relax and listen. We begin. I hate hospitals. The hallways always smell of pungent disinfectants and seem to echo every little noise. The lighting is always harsh. There is the constant sound of beeping and siren calls from medical equipment. And then there are the people. The people in hospitals are always tired, under duress, in pain, dying. There are doctors trying to grasp the right words to break terrible or terrifying news to families. There are staff members scurrying about their tasks. There are family and friends in waiting rooms, their eyes exhausted or worried. The lucky ones are leaving, hopefully cured or on their way to better health and better places. Tonight, the lights in the hallway seem dim. They've turned some of them out because normal visiting hours are over. There is no waiting room full of people. The only staff member I see is a lone janitor, exiting the hallway at the far end, rolling a mop bucket and mop beside him. The floors smell of bleach, and caution wet floor signs line the white tiles in intervals several feet apart. I look at my wristwatch, but the mechanism doesn't move. It's silent. I shake it inside. I guess I need to take it to someone who can repair it. It stopped at 2.38 p.m. I know I'm stalling. I don't want to be here, but a sense of duty keeps bringing me back. I walk silently down the long hall towards the nurse's station, glancing guiltily at the hours of operation sign that clearly states all visitors should have departed an hour ago. I note the name of the facility on the wall near the desk, but don't actually read it. I've been here so, so many times. The nurses never acknowledge me anyways, I think to myself. It's kind of rude. I've tried to be polite, but they never seem to acknowledge my greetings as I go by. I know they're busy. I try so hard to not be a nuisance, so most people just ignore me. I found that if you don't bring attention to yourself, you can go almost anywhere you choose. I'm stalling again. I see the lit nurse's station, a beacon of light in the dark hospital. There are lackluster holiday decorations near the printer. I recognize the two nurses who work the night shift. The young nurse with the long eyelashes and dark hair is staring at the computer screen, her long manicured nails clicking away at the keys, her cell phone quietly playing Christmas music. The older nurse looks a bit worn, maybe even stoic. I know she must have seen so many things over the years, yet here she remains. She's probably old enough to retire, but for some reason she is still here. Maybe she still feels like she can help. Maybe she's bitter and just can't afford to leave. 
The senior caregiver stands facing the space I must cross to get into the room. She is flipping through a medical chart. I swallow and try to blend into the background as I pass by. Out of the corner of my vision, I see the older nurse glance up, and I know she sees me. She looks cross for a moment, her brows furrow, but apparently she can't be bothered by a late-night visitor. She shakes her head dismissively, which concerns me because she should follow the rules. Or am I just not worth the effort? Her eyes seem to stare through me like she's looking into the distance, and then they settle back onto the medical records. The fluorescent light above her buzzes and flickers weirdly before returning to normal. I continue on my way down to the door. The door I don't want to go through, but I need to see her. I pause outside. Then I go through. The patient sits in a hospital bed, its wrinkled white sheets illustrating her restlessness. Light streams in through a window across the room. It's raining. Her brown hair is close around her face and neck. It's limp and dirty. She sits up, her arms wrapped around her knees. She stares out of the window and into the deepening evening, her eyes unfocused, as if looking at something beyond the rivulets of precipitation that run down the glass. Hello, hon. How are you feeling today? I ask. She bristles. I don't want to be here. I know she doesn't want me here either. But there are proprieties and duties. We were engaged. It's expected that I visit her in the hospital until she recovers. She doesn't answer me. I move to my customary place, a single chair across from her in the corner. I've sat here every time I've visited, dozens of times. I can see her full face now. She doesn't glance at me, but continues to stare at the window. I need to stay long enough that no one will slight me for not visiting. This is so hard. It feels like torture. I know you probably don't want to see me. I know we both probably should have said things that day. I pause. She still won't look at me, but she draws a shuddering breath. I know she's listening. There's a noise outside in the hallway. The young night nurse enters with a small plastic blue tray. I shrink into the shadows. Thankful it's so dark in the room. The nurse clicks on a small light beside the bed, her back to me. Goodness, it's so cold in here, she states. Do you want another blanket? My ex-fiancé nods yes, but never speaks. I'll never understand why this particular room is so cold. I'll ask maintenance to check it again in the morning. Here are your meds. The patient holds out her palm to receive the prescriptions, and the nurse tips a small cup dispensing the pills. A plastic cup of water is passed between them, and the pills are swallowed silently. Do you need anything? The nurse inquires in a caring tone. My ex indicates she wants nothing with a slight shake of her head. She still looks into the distance. Dr. Shapiro will be in to discuss your treatment in the morning, the nurse says before she turns and leaves the room. The door clicks behind her. I hear her shoes moving across the tiles. It's a very distinctive noise. We're alone again. I remember fondly all the memories we enjoyed alone. A wistful smile crosses my face. I look at her longingly. The memory of her musical laughter, the sparkle in her eyes, sunlight in her hair. The broken creature in front of me now is a shell of the person she used to be. 
She seemed like my perfect match in every way. She is a brilliant, creative, loving individual. I know in my soul that person is still in there. I think about when it ended. We were taking a road trip cross-country. It was gorgeous weather and we had the music playing too loud. The windows were down. I was driving a bit too fast. She always scolded me for going too fast and not signaling every time I needed to. It was so fantastic at first. The promise of the future and our lives together. We had finally set the date. Conversation turned towards expectations of our big day. Who should and should not attend. Color schemes, flowers, locations. Then it drifted into what our home would be like. How long we'd wait until we considered children. All of our dreams were in sync. Perfect. Everything seemed perfect. We stopped at a gas station for a quick break and to get something to drink after we'd been driving a few hours. She left her phone in the car cup holder between the seats. I got back to the car before she did and hit the button on my key to unlock the doors. I plunked myself down into the seat and moved her cell out of the way so I could place my drink in the front cup holder. Just as I picked it up, it dinged and a text message flashed onto the small screen. It was her sister. How can you marry that man? He cheated on you two years ago. It read. Guilt and anger flooded my senses. I felt my face get red, my heartbeat quickened. Your mistakes never truly go away. You can grow from them, ask forgiveness, and change your ways, but they never truly go away. We were both going through a very difficult period then. Both of us were working too much and not spending enough time with each other. Communication broke down and we always seemed to be short with each other. We'd fight, go a few days without speaking, and then one of us would inevitably break down and text the other or show up at the other's apartment. There were tears and long talks and forgiveness, then lovemaking. But people have long memories. During one of our brief breakups, I had a one-night stand with someone I met at a bar. The next morning, I regretted it. We were technically broken up, but when we sorted things out, I was honest and told her what happened. She confided in her sister then. We worked through it. I put her phone face down on the passenger side seat. My fiancé sauntered back to the car with a soda in her hand. She was smiling. She was so beautiful. I was steaming. She didn't see my face as she put on her seatbelt. I started the car and pulled away, barely pausing to glance that it was safe to merge back into the frontage road. Now she looked at her phone. In my peripheral vision, I saw the smile disappear from her face. She glanced at me and finally noticed my anger and embarrassment. Her opinion doesn't matter, love, she said reassuringly. Was that doubt in her voice? I gunned the accelerator and whipped around the slow truck in front of me without signaling. I knew I was already breaking the speed limit on this two-lane side road. The ramp was coming up to enter the freeway. No one matters but us. We have big plans, and once we're married, we don't have to see her except holidays at Mom and Dad's. She lives all the way in California. I didn't say anything. All I could think was what everyone else must think. What gets said behind our backs. This woman I would give anything for. She doesn't deserve that. We've been through hell together and we've made it. It shouldn't be their business. 
I merged onto the highway. I barely glanced to my left to confirm no vehicles were there before I moved on. A large diesel truck wasn't too far in front of us in the slow lane. I kept my foot down on the accelerator. We were catching up to the 18-wheeler fast. Too fast. Honey, just let it go. We are all that matters now, she said. My eyes started watering a bit. I was angry. I was being irrational. I pulled the car sharply into the fast lane to get around the diesel. I didn't signal. I heard the crunch. Felt everything go sideways. I had forgotten to put on my seatbelt. A split second of gray paint on my driver's side window. An SUV must have been coming up in my blind spot, and I never noticed them. The noise was incredible, and I knew I was being thrown through the front window as we were pushed into the back corner of the huge truck. Someone was screaming. I heard my love pleading with someone, and then there was nothing. Now I'm back in her room, looking at her. I see the scars from the wreck now, down her arm and just under her bangs across her forehead. It's easy for me to forget they're there. She is so beautiful, even in her brokenness. Her eyes are dim now, though. Her posture bowed. She can still see, but the joy of living is gone for her. I hate seeing her like this. It's like a part of me has been torn out. Do you want me to leave? I ask quietly. I feel disconnected and the room seems to spin a little. How can I help? I just don't want to leave you like this. I love you. I hear my voice tremble. I see the tear slide down her face. She says the first words that anyone has heard in months. The first thing since the accident. Please leave me alone, she says. I need to heal. I can't do that with you here. Then she starts to sob. I want to touch her, to reassure her. But I can't. I stand and blindly drift towards the door and go through it. The nurses are now looking at her door. They hear her crying on the other side. The young one looks concerned. The young nurse sighs and shakes her head. That poor child. How long has it been since the wreck? The old nurse says in a neutral tone. It's been six months. She hasn't said a thing. Her physical wounds are mostly healed now. But losing her fiancé was just too much. I stop. What can she mean? I'm standing right here. The young nurse goes to a supply closet and grabs the extra blanket she promised to bring in earlier. I stand there dumbfounded. I, I can't talk. The nurse approaches me and then walks straight through me. Wow! There's a cold spot right here, too! She exclaims. The older nurse replies, I'll note it here for maintenance in the morning. I hear my ex-fiancés crying more loudly for the brief moment that the nurse opens the door to the room. Then it closes behind me. My mouth falls open. What is going on? I yell at the older nurse. She ignores me. The light above her flickers again. Say something to me! I scream at her. I rush towards the nurse's station and stop short as my eyes fall on the signage on the wall that I casually walked by on my way in. Psychiatric unit appears in crisp silver three-dimensional letters. I know now that I must leave. My presence means my love will never recover. I let go and fade into the night. 
That was The Recovery by Amanda Devinney. And thank you so much for joining me. Your response and support to this podcast has been amazing, and I'm so happy to share with you some of the stories I love to read. Joining me in this episode was the wonderful Jessica Michelle. For more information about her work, click on her IMDb link in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow, rate, and review it to help others find us. Also, you can check out our website at soulattestudios.com for more information on upcoming story schedules. If you're listening on Spotify, I'd love to hear your ideas for stories to read in the survey on this episode's page. If you're not on Spotify, you can always send me ideas via a message on our website. The link is in the description. Also, if you've also written a story you'd like me to read, that would be an honor. I'm Jamie Olson, and I recorded, edited, and produced the podcast, so if anything was wrong, it was my fault. Our cover art is by the incredibly talented Amanda Divini, and our music is Astro by Core Discovery. Again, thank you, and pleasant dreams.